Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Podcast with Dr. Patricia Mills. I'm Dr. Patricia. This podcast is for people who want to transform their health, restore their hormones, and reconnect to their body's natural wisdom. Hi, I'm Dr. Patricia. I'm a Canadian medical doctor, published author, internationally recognized researcher, and passionate advocate for your health. Here, we'll explore the intersection between ancient wisdom and cutting-edge science, distilling the essence of true health into practical steps you can take. Wild wisdom is instinctive knowledge in action. Thanks for making this part of your day. Are you curious if pesticides are really a health concern and how you can reduce your exposure without having to buy everything organic? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to the Wild Wisdom Show. I'm Dr. Patricia Mills, a medical doctor with a root cause approach to health. And today we're going to be talking about pesticides and your health, the surprising harms and how to reduce, eliminate, and detoxify them from your body. And we're going to get deep into this topic. It's such an important one. It's, it was a big chain, game changer in my health, and I hope to transmit that information without you having to spend an enormous amount of money buying organic foods. So let's dive into the science of whether or not pesticides are really a health concern. And we need to shine the light on this because sometimes the science is ahead of the guidelines. And as you know, we are still able to use pesticides when we're growing our food supply. And there are some real health concerns that are popping up. And probably in the future, there will be changes to regulations. But right now, you are being exposed to certain amounts of pesticides that could be harmful. And we need to cover how to reduce your exposure without having to spend a ton of money, as I mentioned. So what is a pesticide? And what it is, is any substance used to kill, repel, or control certain forms of plant or animal life that are considered to be pests. And the problem with pesticides is that uh, the researchers are calling it non-species specific. So while it can kill plant and small animal life, it can also cause harm in humans. And what we need to know about this is that pesticide residue is the amount of pesticide left over on the food after it's been harvested and processed. So in the case of even making wine and roasting for coffee and creating bread, and we're going to get into the nitty gritty of where you should be prioritizing organic and where it doesn't matter so much and you can save your money and things that you can do to actually minimize the amount of pesticides on food that you buy non-organic. Because the reality, too, is that pesticides can soak through the skin of the plant, of the fruit, of the vegetable, of the grain, of the legumes. So there's a bit of pesticides left on the plant on the outside of it. And we can I'll teach you a very effective way proven in research using a simple ingredient in your kitchen. And it's not vinegar to get pesticides off of your plants. But some of it does actually soak into the plant. And there was a study, interestingly done, on organic gala apples where they took these apples and they sprayed them with pesticides. And 24 hours later, they measured how much pesticides was on the apple versus in the apple. And about 20% of the pesticides had sunk through the skin of the apple into the apple. And they were the ones who studied this effective method for washing your pesticides that got everything 
off of the surface of the apple. However, there is still some left in it. And that's why I'm also going to teach you how to detoxify pesticides from your body. Now, if you're joining me live, please put in your uh, questions in the comments. I, I look forward to answering them for you. It's a benefit of joining live, uh, especially if you're joining the free group for women on Facebook called Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills. And I look forward to seeing you there. So there is this very interesting study also showing, uh, so we looked at the apples, there was also a study looking in wine. So, you know, it's interesting because this may explain the wine paradox where people in the Mediterranean can drink wine, you know, in, in moderate amounts, like, you know, a glass a day or on the weekends, and they don't have increased negative health effects as far as we're aware. And yet in other countries like North America, Alcohol exposure in what seems to be any amount is creating uh, concern. It's, uh, alcohol is now considered one of the top three carcinogens, along with asbestos and smoking. And the question is, is it the alcohol or is it what's coming with it? And this study here, and if you're listening to me in the podcast, you want to pop over to YouTube and you'll see um, this, the name of the study and how to find it, the PubMed ID. And this one is called The Interaction Effect of Pesticides with the Saccharomyces cerevisiae and the Fate During Winemaking Process. And unfortunately, when the grapes are sprayed, the pesticides seem to get into the grape and end up in the wine. So if you're drinking non-organic wine that have been uh, conventionally sprayed, you are drinking pesticides. And now there's different kinds of uh, wineries that are called either low intervention wineries where they only spray if they get an, an infection like that they need to specifically treat. Um, other wineries will just regularly spray no matter what happens to their crop. And then some wineries will avoid spraying and use other non-pesticides methods like uh, copper or biodynamic growing uh, techniques to make the plant so strong that it resists pests on its own. So this is very interesting to know. And then this is also interesting because coffee also ends up having uh, uh, pesticides left over on it as well. So there was a study looking at coffee and after the roasting process, if the coffee beans were sprayed, then you also have pesticides on your coffee. So uh, personally, I do, per, I do prioritize organic wine and coffee um, as part of my, you know, minimizing exposure to pesticides. And the question you might ask me is like, well, is this really a health concern? You know, is this pesticide in my wine or my coffee or my fruits and vegetables? You know, how much should I be worried? So let's go through that research. And the interesting thing is that the understanding of how pesticides like glyphosate affect, which is a very common type of pesticide used in one of the, um, you know, Roundup is a product uh, that contains glyphosate and is one of the most heavily used pesticides in places like North America. And research is just coming out. This one was published in 2020. So this right now I'm speaking in October, sorry, November, 2023. And this research is looking at the impact and toxicity of glyphosate and glyphosate-based herbicides, which is a kind of pesticide, on health and immunity. And this study here was published in 2017, Exposure to Pesticides and the Associated Human Health Effects. And what they found is that pesticide residue in our foods, when we consume them, can cause internal cell death 
internal damage to DNA. So it can damage your DNA, which is one of the root causes of cancer. It can cause inflammation in the body. It can alter your immune system function. So make it more likely that you're either going to get sick more often or develop an autoimmune condition, for example, like Hashimoto's thyroiditis or celiac disease, which brings in mind the question, is the you know increasing rates of celiac due to the problems with gluten, or is it due to the problems with the pesticides that come with it? And I don't know the answer to that, but that's just an interesting observation. It also harms your gut microbiome. And this is really big because if you've been following me for a little while now, uh, I've been really uh, focusing on the gut microbiome over the last few Wild Wisdom episodes. You might wanna go to the Gut Health playlist on YouTube, um, to check them out. But essentially, the gut microbiome are little organisms that live within your gut, and they are bacteria and viruses and, and uh, parasites and fungi. And they actually, uh, a healthy gut microbiome will help your, will support your body's health and metabolism. Specifically, they do things like break down the fiber in your fruits and vegetables and turn them into healthy ketones, which your body then absorbs and uses for fuel, like healthy fuel. Your body actually cannot break down fiber on its own. It needs a healthy gut microbiome. And that's where the health effects of fiber come from. All that research that fiber is good for you depends on you having a healthy gut microbiome. Well, interestingly, pesticides kill the microbiome in your gut. And that is not surprising because the pesticides are meant to kill small organisms on crops. And some of our gut microbiome are the same kind of organisms that you would find in nature. In fact, like all of them are. So you are slowly, um, you know, killing off your gut microbiome as you eat pesticides. And we're going to talk about, you know, the, the poison is in the dose, right? So don't get too concerned yet, because I am going to teach you how to reduce your pesticide exposure. But I am going to also um, point out, okay, that what this research, these two research papers that I referenced, what they talked about is that we have some pretty, um, you know, strong links. You know, if you can't prove causation, because no one would ever get two groups of, in order to prove causation, this is what needs to happen in the research. You need to get a group of people, randomly divide them into two groups, right? So divide them into two groups, give one group pesticides, <laughs> for like, you know, a lifetime exposure in the dose that we are exposed to and not give it to the other group. So feed them an entirely organic diet and then monitor over time what happens to them. You know, that study will never happen. It's so expensive, so time consuming. No, you know, there's no product on the market or, or industry that would fund that necessarily. And who would actually volunteer to be in that study, right? Like to be in the glyphosate group of that study uh, or the pesticide. There are other pesticides other than glyphosate. That just happens to be a very common, widely used one. Um, and so what they have found, though, is that in the research, there are strong links with asthma, diabetes, cancer, because remember, these are all inflammation-related diseases. And there's a strong evidence coming out, again, for a link between pesticides and problems with fertility, which makes me wonder, is this why we're seeing so much suffering of, um, you know, people wanting to get pregnant and not being able to? And, you know, this is, it just breaks my heart when I 
hear this and witness this. And it really, this is one of the potential root causes. Now, interestingly, this is such a concern that in 2017, the International Agency for Research on Cancer classified glyphosate as probably carcinogenic. Yeah, this is like big. That's a big problem, right? I mean, it's not often that an agency like that will come out on a limb and say something like that. And the background to this is not just based on research, but it's based on real life happening. So I'm going to tell you a little story about Roundup. Roundup, if you haven't heard of it before, is a glyphosate-based herbicide made by a company called Monsanto, which has been bought out since 2018 by uh, Bayer, a bigger company. And what happened was that over the last few decades, there have been class action lawsuits against Monsanto, brought against Monsanto for, at this point, about 140,000 cases, although it's like new ones are coming up every day, um, for cancer. So exposure to pesticides causing cancer. Now, most of these, if not all of these, are people working on like in agriculture. So being exposed in large doses for potentially short or long periods of time, okay? Because they're like spraying or they're involved in the production um, and they're closely being exposed to um, Roundup. And about up to date, I just checked it online today because there is a website where you can check with the status of this of these claims. And Monsanto has not won any case. It has settled every case brought up in court. And it's settled about 100,000 cases so far, 40,000 are left. And they've paid about $11 billion to date. So, um, you know, not that they're guilty because they haven't uh, said that they're guilty, but they haven't proven to be innocent in the Roundup being linked to the cancer that has been caused. And it's usually a leukemia type of cancer. Now, what I need to tell you is that the poison is probably in the dose. So what we know for sure based on this, well, I don't like to say for sure, but it's very strong evidence, is that if you're exposed to pesticides, large dose occupationally, like as part of your business, even for a short, shorter period of time, doesn't have to be a lifetime, you have a very high risk of developing cancer. Now, what is the what could happen if you are exposed to low doses over a lifetime, which is what most of us are being exposed to? And even if you are eating 100% organic, um, you're, you know, it's in the water, it's in the soil, probably getting in some. So you definitely want to stick around to learn how to detoxify it from your body. So I'll be covering that as well. Um, but what we do need to do is we need to seriously minimize exposure as much as possible and support natural detoxification. And what I'm going to be talking about next are six tips to minimize exposure to pesticides. And I have here uh, Brittany Williams uh, joining today. Thanks for joining Brittany. And she's saying, yes, it sounds like a cause of endometriosis. You know, it could very well be. It's, it's very hard to say. Again, we cannot link causally. However, we do know that hormonally driven conditions like endometriosis and fibroids and PCOS and infertility are directly linked to gut health and the health of your gut microbiome. And, you know, the health of your liver in terms of its ability to detoxify estrogen and pesticides are detoxified through the liver. So, you know, there, yes, I think it's important for any health condition to pay attention to what we're going to go be covering in the next little while here. Okay. All right. So you've been waiting for this. 
six tips to minimize exposure to pesticides without having to buy everything organic. <laughs> now, this is really important because in this day and age, everything we can do to minimize exposure to pesticides will probably improve your health in some way. So tip number one is to prioritize organic for the highest content foods, so the foods that contain the most pesticides. Um, and the highest content foods based on the research are uh, and you can remember them from the acronym SCOWL, S-C-C-O-W-W-L, which is soy, corn, coffee, oats, wheat and other grains, wine, and legumes like beans and lentils, SCOWL. Now, this is really interesting because oats, for example, right? Oats can be a very healthful food, especially if you eat them properly. So you don't upset your blood sugar balance, have them as a savory dish, eat them with vegetables or some kind of healthy source of fat, definitely enough protein. And if you want to eat them and support your health, this is something you probably want to buy organic. The interesting thing too, is that wheat, wheat and other grains like rice, when they are sprayed, you know, the glyphosate or the pesticide, whatever is being used, just easily crosses into those grains. So I wonder sometimes, again, like I mentioned before, is how much of our problem with, um, you know, celiac uh, disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity, so people don't have celiac but eat gluten-containing foods and then have bloating or belly pain and all of those things, is it the gluten or is it the pesticides? We do not know at this point in time, right? Um, same thing with soy. If you're eating kind of, you know, tofu or tempeh or miso, those are all healthful, healthful foods. However, soy is one of the most heavily sprayed crops in North America. Again, also probably worth prioritizing buying organic. Same thing with corn and coffee and wine right? The coffee and the wine retain their pesticides. Research has proven that when you're drinking non-organic coffee and non-organic wine, you're drinking pesticides. And the one that really surprised me, to be honest, was the beans, right? So after doing this research, I have been buying, uh, prioritizing buying my organic chickpeas and all those, and, um, you know, kidney beans and black beans. And I do buy them dry. So like, you know, I soak them overnight and then I cook them the next day. They are still extremely affordable, even when they are organic, when you buy them in this way. They are definitely more expensive when you already buy them cooked in a can. Um, however, it seems to be something worth prioritizing. And because you're prioritizing on these foods, then on tip number two, you can save on the lowest content pesticide foods. So the foods that tend to have the lowest content of pesticides are the ones that have thick skin. So for example, avocado, bananas, squash, pumpkin, those are all um, you know, fruits and vegetables that you can remove the skin. And because the skin is thick, the pesticide hasn't really sunk into the flesh that you're gonna eat. So those are good ones to buy uh, to save on, if you want to save on, um, you know, go kind of, or get prioritize organic on the scowl foods, save on these foods, and a really good resource to find out, um, you know, every year they, they analyze the plants and the vegetables for which ones are having the most pesticides inside of them. And you go to ewg.org, ewg.org. And that's the Environmental Working Group. And they have what's called the Dirty Dozen list and the Clean 15 list. So the Dirty Dozen are the 12 top plants 
Um, and it, and usually every year there's the berries are there, the, the blueberries and the strawberries, unfortunately, because I love those fruits. Um, and then they have what's called the clean 15 list of so the top 15 uh, plants that have the least amount of pesticides. And so you can might, you might want to, you know, prioritize buying organic for the dirty dozen and save your money on the clean 15. So tip number three, and these ne next two tips are very practical ones. And then the last two are going to kind of blow your mind. So um, tip number three is discard the outer leaves of the leafy produce, like the lettuce and the cabbage, which kind of makes sense, right? So just get rid of those external uh, layers. And tip four is peel produce that can be peeled like uh, peaches or apples. Now, the thing is, apples um, have a very uh, nutritious um, molecule in them right underneath the skin called pectin, which is when you bake apples um, and you leave the skin on, the pectin um, becomes very uh, easily digestible. And it's a really good food for a gut microbiome, like it's very gut healing and very healthy. So, you know, you may, if you want to leave the skin on, you may want to um, prioritize buying organic, or you can use this fifth tip, which was, uh, there was a research study that was done looking at, um, you know, apples that were organic and then were sprayed with pesticides. And 24 hours later, the researchers um, analyzed how much pesticide was left on the on the apple versus inside the apple. And then they uh, studied three different methods to get the pesticides off the apple. And what they used was uh, uh, method number one, which is plain tap water, soaking and washing. Method number two was bleach or Clorox. And method number three was baking soda solution. <laughs> and guess which one was more effective? Surprisingly, it was not the bleach. It was the baking soda solution, which is awesome because you probably have baking soda in your kitchen right now. And if you don't, it's very worth purchasing and very not expensive, very affordable. And all you do is what they did in the study is for every two cups of water, you add two teaspoons of baking soda. So depending on how many fruits and vegetables you're washing, um, you just measure out the amount of baking soda for how many cups of water you're using for soaking. And the key is you have to soak for at least 15 minutes. They actually analyzed how much soaking time was needed and 12 minutes was not enough. 15 minutes was the minimum. And so you let it soak and then afterwards you rinse it off with water and then you can go ahead and eat it. And all any of the pesticides that are on the surface of the fruit, such as the apple, will be gone by then. Whatever pesticide has sunk through the flesh, which in the study was about 20% of the pesticides um, that were sprayed, that will still be in the apple. So we are still going to talk about how to detoxify um, pesticides. And this was the study here called Effectiveness of Commercial and Homemade Washing Agents in Removing Pesticide Residues on and in Apples. Unfortunately, no washing method got rid of what was already in the apple. This one you're going to, I think you're going to love it. Anyways, I loved it. Um, tip number six, buy or make sourdough bread instead of non-sourdough bread. So interestingly, the reason I mentioned this is because there was actually a study done on flour um, made from wheat that had been sprayed with glyphosate containing pesticide. And then they measured the glyphosate in the, in the flour and it was, it was still present. And then they did fermentation and measured how much did fermentation decrease the pesticide content. Uh, and actually after one hour of fermentation, the pesticide content was down by 21%, which is pretty awesome. Especially since when you do sourdough bread fermentation, like the proper 
actual sourdough bread. So every bread that is not sourdough, which is almost every single bread that you're going to find in your local grocery store, that just like white bread, whole wheat bread, you know, even if it says whole wheat, uh, if it's not organic it and it doesn't say sourdough, then it hasn't been fermented for that duration of time that proper sourdough, traditional sourdough fermentation ha- uh, would involve and would decrease the glyphosate. Uh, the commercial breads that are mostly made these days don't undergo that kind of fermentation. So whatever um, pesticide is in the flour remains in the bread and that's what you're eating. So I have um, found that there are some affordable options out there. Like there's a pretty, like, you know, I'm in Canada and a very affordable grocery store. There's no frills. And there, I found a really good priced sourdough bread there for uh, about four, four Canadian dollars, a nice big loaf of bread. So there are options out there. You might have to shop around or you can make your own. I've started making my own sourdough bread. It's like a hobby and also extremely, um, you know, delicious. When my kids eat a slice, they're full for hours. It's very um, nourishing and dense. And it just really like actually fills you up, you know, which is a really good feeling. So um, this is, these are the six tips. All right. And now we're going to talk about the next step, which is to support your natural detoxification. And what you need to know is that pesticides are detoxified primarily in the liver. So the pesticides have come in, you know, through your water or through your uh, food, right? And you eat or drink it, it goes down into your gut. Whatever damage it's going to do to the gut microbiome will happen at that point. So detoxification strategies won't, won't minimize that damage, right? And then it gets into your body and it might do a little bit of damage, but then it gets to your liver. And what you want is when it passes through your liver, you want your liver ready to detoxify it, to take the pesticide, break it down into non-harmful pieces that it can then get rid of. And so what happens is it, the liver will take the pesticides, break it down, and then put it in the bile that is sitting in your gallbladder, right? You have your liver and then you have your gallbladder just sitting underneath the liver. And every time you eat a, um, a meal that contains fat, um, the body senses that and it, con- and it contracts the gallbladder and the, the gallbladder dumps out the bile into the gut. And when it dumps out the bile, not only does it have everything you need for that bile to break down your fat, your healthy fats, so that your body can use your healthy fats to like build your brain, for example, it will also dump out all the toxins that have been created, you know, by the liver, Uh, the breakdown products of the toxins that the liver has dumped into the bile gets dumped out and then you poop it out. So you need to support the liver and gallbladder health. And also I should add, you should be having a poop a day, right? If you're um, having anything less than a poop a day, you are constipated and you are risking that those toxins that are being um, built up, you know, uh, dumped out into your poop will be reabsorbed into your body, which you do not want. So you want to do everything you can to have at least one poop a day. So you need to support the liver. What does that look like on a very high level? That looks like avoiding any added fructose to your diet. So fructose is uh, hiding out, especially in ultra-processed foods, in in foods like uh, in ingredients like high fructose corn syrup, agave syrup, any kind of syrup, really, um, because fructose is an interesting sugar molecule that, while it doesn't raise your blood sugar or cause insulin, which is the sugar hormone, to be released, it actually goes straight to your liver, 
And if you eat too much of it, the liver gets um, clogged up with fructose and it'll transform the fructose into fat to store it in the liver. And then you get fatty liver and fatty liver cannot detoxify effectively. So this is very important. The other factors are excess alcohol. Obviously, we all know alcohol is damaging to the liver and certain medications that can damage the liver like Tylenol is a, a very common over-the-counter medication, right? We're going to talk about how, and then we're going to talk about what kind of foods are, um, you know, going through, um, what kind of foods does the liver need to support detoxification? Um, now what we have here is um, the foods that you're going to support your liver uh, are having enough protein and enough plants. So interestingly, the process of detoxification requires protein amino that breaks down to amino acids so the liver uses those breakdown pieces of protein called amino acids for detoxification and it uses these nutrients from plants called phytochemicals um, to help um, repair the damage done to the liver as it's detoxifying which is kind of fascinating they're called antioxidants as in they put out inflammation they put out the fire so if you're not eating enough protein and you're not eating enough plants you're going to run into problems with that process, right? Now, next, you're going to have to support the gallbladder. And this is the same as a liver. You need to do the same things as you would for the liver. And you need to stay hydrated because if you are dehydrated, that bile gets uh, sludgy and thick and kind of like, instead of being like nice and fluid and easily when the gallbladder contracts and it can just like pump out the bile, if you're dehydrated, it'll thicken and get really um, hard for that gallbladder to squeeze it out. Also, interestingly, you need to eat bitter foods or take bitters, digestive bitters, before a meal that contains fat. Why am I saying that? Because the gallbladder, not only does it contract, but it has to contract with force, enough force to pump that bile out into the gut, right? And what causes our gallbladder to contract even stronger is the bitter taste of food, which is so random. But this might be why in Europe, it's very popular to um, eat bitter foods uh, or sorry, to take bitters. And bitters are like, um, you'll find them in like a glass jar uh, and they're liquid. And usually they're a um, tincture of, uh, you know, concentration of different bitters like uh, horseradish and, um, you know, I forget the name, um, burdock and all those kinds of things. And so you take like a little spoonful or so you have to look at the, depending on the bitter, obviously they're going to give you a recommended amount just before you have a meal that was, has a high fat, uh, like a, your fatty meal. And that will help the gallbladder contract stronger, which will clear the bile. Otherwise, what can happen over time is you get that sludge in the bile and that, and then you can get gall, uh, stones in the bile, which is called gallstones. And over time, that can lead to gallstone obstruction and, and gallbladder pain. And some people even get their gallbladder surgically removed. So it's really important to have, um, to have a healthy whole foods-based uh, diet uh, with enough protein and plants to stay properly hydrated with enough water drinking through the day and to eat those bitter foods, which are like horseradish, arugula, um, I'm blanking on the other kinds of foods or to have um, your bitters before every meal. Now, if you are having any problems that um, you cannot resolve on your own with, with a simple like a modification to your lifestyle and diet, 
this would be the time to work with a functional nutritionist, functional medical doctor, or naturopathic doctor to help you optimize your systems. And for example, you know, uh, Brittany has joined us up today and she's asking the question, what if endometriosis is trying to take over my liver? The last time I was at the doctor to do the surgery, he saw endometriosis on my liver. And Brittany, you know, I'm so sorry that you're going through this. This is so, so hard to go through. And what I have to say is that at this point in time, it would really be worth, uh, and this is to anyone who's, who's experiencing this kind of problem, working with it, an appropriate health practitioner, which is probably not going to be, uh, at least in, in North America or in Canada, where, where I work in, you know, as a doctor, and I've had my training as a medical doctor and a specialist, so I've been through you know, very intensive training, we were not trained on these things. So going to your family doctor and asking them to optimize your liver health and optimize your gallbladder health using this holistic approach is like going to your accountant and asking them to help you with physiotherapy or with marketing, right? Like when you run a business, you don't have one person who does marketing and finances and um, you know, social media strategy, you, you have different people with different skill sets. And the reality is that these days with the way that our medical training is, you go to your medical doctor, usually if, if there's a diagnosis and a medication prescription or surgical um, option, right? And if you want to go deeper into the actual root causes and reversing the root causes and the healing, you're going to need to go to someone who has some additional training in that because we were not taught that in medical school or even specialty training. For me to be speaking to you today on what I am what I am teaching you is I have the added, uh, so I trained in, as a medical doctor and I specialize in physical medicine rehabilitation. And then I did my certification in functional medicine and I'm a published researcher. So I use my research skills to read the research and understand it and to really break it down into actionable strategies for you here today. And so some of those will be enough for you to progress with whatever goal you have, such as Brittany and her endometriosis. However, many of you will need the support of a qualified health practitioner in the area of supporting your whole body health and actually reversing the root causes and healing, helping your body heal through things like endometriosis and fibroids and ovarian cysts and PCOS and infertility and cancer obesity, diabetes, you name it. And I hold the very strong belief that is supported by research in many, many cases that most of these conditions are, first of all, obviously preventable and reversible. However, it requires sometimes real dedication and it requires you building your team of experts to have on your side. Okay. So I hope this helps for people like Brittany. Uh, and so I hope this helped you, Brittany, and other people like yourself going through what sounds like a very, very hard time. And in summary, um, what I would recommend is, uh, you know, in general, like what I take from this is that occasional small amounts of pesticide exposure is probably okay, right? Let's not add to our stress response unnecessarily through things that we cannot control. However, what we can control, we should, we should act on. So for example, uh, while small exposures occasionally uh, is probably okay, I don't know if lifelong exposure at the doses that many of us are being exposed to uh, is safe and probably depends on your genetics and on things like your liver health and your gallbladder health, right? And you want to really minimize your exposure and you want to maximize your detoxification, right? And Brittany's saying, 
you know, thank you very much. I think I understand what you're saying and I appreciate your answer. And Brittany, absolutely my my pleasure. And I and I wish you so much health and healing. So thank you for joining me today at the next Wild Wisdom show, which will be next week. I'm going to be talking about leaky gut, which by the way, is a root cause of all of these conditions that I mentioned, including endometriosis and fibroids and such. And I will be giving you the science, telling you what's real about leaky gut and what's not how to know if you have it, how to have it diagnosed, and how to treat it. So I can't wait to join you next week. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day, evening, or night, depending on when you catch this. And I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, Wild Wisdom with Dr. Patricia Mills. If you like this podcast, please take the time to like and subscribe. And please feel free to leave any comments and look below for the contact information if you want to connect with me directly. Thank you. And I hope you have a wonderful day, evening or night. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Just a reminder, this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for a professional care doctor or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided with the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you are looking for help in your journey, it is important that you seek out a qualified health practitioner. If you would like to work with Dr. Patricia for her expert health transformation guidance, please email her at info at drpatriciamills.com to book a discovery call. You can also find Dr. Patricia on Instagram at Dr. Patricia Mills and Facebook at Wild Wisdom for Women with Dr. Patricia Mills, MD. For access to all of Dr. Patricia's educational videos and more amazing perks, consider becoming a Patreon member. Links are in the description of this episode. It is important to have an expert in your corner that can help you make the changes you crave, especially when it comes to your health. 